0: Uh, just want to take a second here and ask if there's any uh, testimonies, and uh, anybody got something? I got one. <laughs> Apparently there's one at least, so amen. Absolutely. Hey, how doing?
1: Right. <laughs> I'm good. All right, so Thursday I had a job interview with McGee Brothers, and I already knew before I was going, I knew I had the job. You know, God's just good like that. But at the interview, they asked me when I want to start, either Friday or Monday. I didn't figure out a way, I didn't know of a way I was going to get back and forth to work that time. But it turns out I got home that day and God already had the time for me. I could have started Friday if I wanted to, but I didn't even need to give him that extra day because he didn't need (laughs) it. So, uh, you know, I got home and there my car was sitting waiting for me. I was like, huh?
0: Huh? that's cool. So in a week, you got a new job and a car, car yeah, as a forward. supply. Yeah. Praise God. So you start tomorrow? hmm Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Anybody else? Yes. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am.
2: I want to thank you guys for praying for Joe. The surgery went yeah. well. The third one, he's got another one to go, and he's come along real good. And we missed the family reunion in Eustis, Florida because of the surgery. But we were burying a time capsule. And everybody that was there and all of us that couldn't be there sent our thoughts in to be buried in our family time capsule. Right. And we're going to open it in five years from now at the 2020 reunion. Well, all my family, all my blessings from God are in it. But, Pastor, you're in it. Oh, and yeah. The church is in it. And Praise God. my thoughts That's of cool. what God's doing with this church and this community. Aww is buried in our family time capsule.
0: Oh, amen. That's cool. I don't think I've ever heard that before. (laughs) Been a part of a time capsule. Come on, Sharon. (laughs) Neat.
2: Um, I just wanted to say a little bit about Wednesday night's message on humility and grace when he was preaching on or teaching on the the negative, not giving it life and power. And a week ago, Friday, sometimes I have migraines and, and that Thursday night I had one and Friday. So it actually you know, I ended up, you know, giving it life, and it took me out for a couple of days, which was, you know, really really right. bad. And so sometimes I can fight them, and sometimes I can't. But after Wednesday night's message, it kind of clicked, then, you know, talking about not giving it life, not giving it power yeah. to the negativity. And so I made a conscious decision to be aware of what was going on in my life after that this week. And a, a few examples where, you know, it might be medial, but sometimes I have to cut my grass with a push more, and it can be kind of difficult, and I get agitated, you know, <laughs> and evil while I'm cutting it. But Friday night when I, or Friday evening when I was cutting it, I was like, that thought started to come, and I was like, mm. down you know thank you lord that i'm able to cut it that i'm physically able i can actually get exercise while i'm doing it and my lawn looks really nice so (laughs) i was praising him and thanking him for it
0: let me me ask you a question on that so compared to how you normally felt like emotionally wise uh, versus how you felt when you were done this time was there a difference between yeah
2: i was more strengthened and empowered and you know, yeah, more amen. In control and a joyful atmosphere, yeah. You know, about it, it just it was different.
0: Praise it God, was totally different. Yeah,
2: and then a, uh, another one sometimes I eat, eat junk food, and, <laughs> and if I eat junk food or too much, sometimes it'll, you know, yeah. I pay for it later. <laughs> and so, I sit down uh, right before I started cutting the grass, and I was eating some junk food. And uh, when I got up, my stomach went and I said, mm. No, you're not going there, you know, I'm fine, I'm going out and I'm cutting grass, (laughs) and and, you know, I didn't have to pay for it, so I was pretty excited (laughs) about that, don't want to make a habit of it, Yeah, it was pretty cool, and then uh, yesterday I got to babysit, you know, and he's six months old, and um, had to be there at 7.30 on a Saturday, but that was good, and uh, it was uh, a little longer than I expected, but I was like, "Thank you, Lord." You know, praising Him for it wouldn't let the time bother me. And then, uh, like when He would get a little, f- you know, He didn't get much fussy, but when He did get fussy, instead of getting, you know, a little anxious, even though you raise kids, you know, you get a little anxious sometimes. And I was like, "Mm mm." I started thinking, you know, yeah. this little light of mine, yeah. and you know, everything just went away, and it was Aww. just a perfect day. But there's just such a different atmosphere. Now that I'm aware of, yeah, and that you know, and I just wanted to share that because that was empowering. You know, to be able to put the negative and let other people see it yep. that you know we yep. can change the situation was just phenomenal.
0: Amen. <laughs> thank you. Praise God. Yeah, God is so good. Amen. Go ahead.
1: Well, I've already had a, a really banner week. You know, I had a car give to me a we- uh, this past Wednesday, but for me. It, it, it continued on. Uh, Friday, we had to lay the rest of uh, Captain Alan Hicks, yeah. a fire, fireman who passed away after a fire this past Sunday. Well, Friday morning, I'm, I was going to represent Bethany Fire Department. I was going to drive a piece of apparatus up there, and Friday morning, I'm up, and I'm looking around, and I have no pair of pants. I don't have <laughs> a pair of pants at all that I could wear up there <laughs> that look really decent. And I was like, oh, man, and I really didn't have a whole lot of money in my pocket.
0: You know, there for a second, I think everybody was like, that's a little concerning, JB. <laughs> it's like, how are you going to get a pair of pants? But you didn't have a pair of nice pants. Yes. Okay, just 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 clarifying there, because that was interesting for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, that's how it was not more I like, oh, man, I got a pair of pants.
1: <laughs> but so I didn't have a whole lot of money, so I had to, I'm, that's, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried now because I got to run all the way to Walmart. I'm like, man, I might spend $15, $20 for a pair of slacks. Lo and behold, I get up there, and I'm like, before I even go to where the slacks are, I just get this feeling I need, I need to go to the clearance rack. Sure enough, on the clearance rack, they had a pair of pants my size for $7, and I was absolutely blown away with that. Yeah. It floored me. And then on top of that, um, on the way to the funeral, I got a call from, um, I've had an injury, and I've been dealing with it, and whatnot, and they have approved me for a year's membership to the YSCA to help me so I can go to, to, their, to their gym facilities to help my back. Praise there. God. So, That was two things in one
0: day. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's just the grace of God. You know, sometimes we'll look at those things and we'll be like, well, that's not a miracle or that's not salvation or that's not whatever. But that it doesn't matter about that. What matters is... God, when he cares about those little things, that shows you just how much more he actually cares about the big things, right? And uh, in, the, in the scheme of things, I was talking to Jim Hockaday about this one time, and he said, he said, is there really anything that's big or little to God? They're all just God, you know, and uh, so when we learn to realize that his love is greater than any need we have, and, than anything, that he will bring us peace and joy, whereas, you know, if we will just line up and be humble with him and be obedient to him, he'll bring us peace and joy. If we'll trust him when it looks like we should be worried in the natural, in the flesh, you know, uh, we'll just watch how the Lord will supply, how he'll provide, and so You know, we're talking, we've been talking some on Wednesday night about humility and grace. And when we really sit back and think about it, at what point should we not humble ourselves to trusting in God? Never. There's not a point that we should get anxious or worried or fretful. Why? Because God's got this. God's already done it. All I've got to do is hear from him and be obedient. And all that stuff works out. Even when it looks like it doesn't work out, it works out. As long as I'm willing to just honestly, unbiasedly go after him, hear from him, and be obedient, it's going to be okay. Amen? Amen. So, um, one of the things, you know, it's been, uh, I want today you see on your notes that we're praying for training to rain And... Um, there's, uh, does anybody know Dr. Maddie Price? And if you know her, uh she had been diagnosed with some cancer, I believe is the report and uh so she had stepped down to the ministry, but Ron and Adina Horner, uh, who used to be a part of the ministry here, they're overseeing that ministry at least temporarily, and I really felt today like we should pray and lift them up and so let's will you join with me and pray for a part of our body in the Lord? So Lord, right now, we just lift up uh Pastor Ron and Adina and we lift up training to reign ministries Lord and Dr. Maddie Price Lord we just ask that your wisdom and your anointing would pour out on them we ask right now that you would overflow them Lord Lord let the freedom of Christ reign in them and reign in the people there Lord we just thank you for them we thank you uh, that they are a part of our body and Lord we just ask that your blessing would manifest your love would manifest manifest, your anointing, your wisdom would manifest in them, in the people, and we just ask that the blood of Jesus would protect them and seal them and keep them so that no evil would befall them in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And while we're at that, one of the things that I want to do is, we, it's been a week of great testimonies. I mean, uh, multiple jobs, multiple vehicles, uh, multiple healings, multiple all kinds of stuff. At the same time, on the other hand, it's also, on, with some of those same people, been a week of attacks, okay? And the devil has been rampant. Why? Because he don't like that kind of stuff. He doesn't like it when we have a whole Sunday where Brian doesn't preach because we got so many testimonies that happened a couple of weeks ago. He does not like that. And so he, you remember when Pastor Chris came, what does the enemy come to do as soon as the seed of life and the seed of the word is sown? He comes immediately to steal it. Well, what's he trying to do? He's going to try and he's going to attack and he's going to try. And How many of y'all have ever had a great message and, man, you're sitting in the service and you're like, yes, I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm, my life is going to be different after this and you walk outside or the next morning you wake up and it's like major catastrophe has just hit. And all of a sudden, everything that you felt, forgot about it. Well, what was that? That was the enemy trying to steal the seed of the word. Now, we want to give God the glory for every one of the testimonies. And as a family, as a family of boomerang, we want to come against any attack that's on your life. We don't, in other words, they messing with you, they're messing with me. You know, if if they're messing with me, they should be messing with you too, right? So let's come against the devil. Let's give God the glory and let's move into the triumph that he has for us so right now lord we just glorify you and we praise you for these testimonies lord you're working you're moving no doubt you are moving in this place you're moving in the lives of people you're drawing them to higher and higher levels And Lord, but we know that the enemy, we are not ignorant of his devices, of his schemes, and of his strategies you told us not to be. We know that he's working too, and he's trying to steal what you're doing. But Lord, I believe you're just looking for people that will say, "Uh, we're not going to put up with that. And so right now, in Jesus' name, we come against any attacks in people's lives. Let freedom come to their households, to their jobs to their friends, to their family. Let the anointing and freedom of Christ. Let every veil of deception be renewed. Let every chain that binds be broken. And let the enemy's attack come to nothing in Jesus' name. We just plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of freedom, the blood that paid the final and the omniscient price, the omnipotent price. That blood that set us free. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So another great uh, bit of news is if you have a Roku player, uh, our channel came up this week. So everybody can watch. If there's anybody watching live stream, hey, Roku. And uh, you can go back and watch all the archives on there, everything that's on the website and in the app is on the Roku channel. Uh, And so you can go and watch that. And uh, we've been waiting on that. We're really excited. If you don't have Roku, then... I'm sorry, but um, it'll be all right. We'll pray for you. And uh, but it's it's really a great thing. It looks good, and um, just really happy to have that. So if you have it, add the channel, give it a rating, and um, you know enjoy it. So there's a uh, one last thing that I want to get into here is on Wednesday night. Right now, we're in a series called Humility and Grace. And this morning's message goes right along with humility and grace. Matter of fact, it really could be a part of it. And what I would call it is, humility truly makes Jesus your Lord. So now, today's message is also all in with Peter, and uh, part two. And if you didn't hear last week's message, I really encourage you to go to the archives and listen to it, because it is an incredibly important piece to your life as a Christian, Peter was very, very passionate and the jesus said i'd rather you be hot or cold, but don't you be lukewarm, so either be all in or do nothing but don't be in the middle and the The thing is being in the middle is it just stinks when you when you got your flesh on one side that you're listening to and you got the spirit on the other side that you're trying to listen to. That is just an awful place for a Christian, and Jesus knew it, and he did not want us to live there. And you really need to get the basis for what we're talking about by listening to last week. You notice that in the Lord, he was always around the very expressive and passionate people, and that is what we are called to be, passionate for the things of God. Be hot for the things of God. You know, don't be lukewarm, don't be cold, be on fire for God, and don't let anything stand in your way. And so this morning, let's look at John chapter 6, starting at verse 48, and I want to talk about something about being all in. Because I'm just, you know, I'm looking at the things that we've been preaching this year and kind of reviewing the series, all of this stuff is... This is higher level stuff. In other words, not just that we're preaching on a higher level. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is the kind of stuff that will take you to a higher level. All of it is very real. And the devil is very aware of what happens when you start preaching this stuff. Because if you preach this, then faith is going to rise, and if it's real faith, then all of a sudden you've got actions that are going to start p- taking place in the lives of Christians, and his kingdom is diminished while the kingdom of God is increased. Well, the devil knows this. So you look at this. Well, what are we talking about in this series? We're talking about everything that we do is for God, and there's nothing that we don't do. Nothing that we do, that isn't for him. You look at humility and grace. How do we move in the power of God? How do we get greater grace that's greater than all the problems and all the issues and being able to, to win the things in the spiritual realm? Well, you've got to move in humility. You look at the class. We've been talking about being filled with the Spirit. Well, the devil knows that's to empower you to live and live in life to the fullest through the grace of God. All of these things, these are all major topics, and we're on in all three of those right now. Well, you think the devil's just going to sit back and be like, oh, I'm just going to let him go, let him love and get in the power of God? No. If he was, he'd be a pretty puny enemy. But we have a God that makes all of our enemies look like nothing if we will submit ourselves to him. We've got to make sure that we recognize what's going on. What we're talking about, it literally is life and death to somebody. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's the people around you, but it is life and death the person that says no it's not life and death is the one who hasn't humbled themselves to what jesus actually taught we've got to make sure that we humble ourselves and get very real and we judge ourselves so that we don't have to be judged that we that we are looking at ourselves completely unbiased and make sure that hey we are doing what god asks us to do That's what we're talking about today. I want you to watch this because Jesus went through something here in John chapter 6. So let's just go through it quickly. I am the bread of life, he said. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I give for the life of the world, is my flesh. Now, first of all, I want you to see something. What is he talking about? He's talking about having life and life in abundance. He said his own words, the person that does this will live forever. Is this a big message? Is it important? Is it right? Okay. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Immediately, the devil starts moving to steal the seed of the word and get their minds off of the message and onto technicalities. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. He's going to give us his flesh so we can eat it. That, that's just gross. So immediately what the devil does is he comes in there and he tries to bring in logical details to get their mind off. I I see it a lot and I know I've struggled with this in the past before where I'm sitting there preaching and then let's say that I quote a scripture backwards or I say the wrong word in front of the other one and I, I see it. sometimes I'll be watching people when I do that and they'll be like, You know, and all of a sudden they're puzzled. And and for the next five minutes, they're figuring out, did he quote the right scripture or not? And they miss the whole message for five minutes. Why? Because the devil is instantly, I can tell you right now, he's trying to steal this word from you to get you off. Why? It's who he is. It's what he does. You know? What was the story with the, the scorpion and the frog or something like that going across the river? And then the scorpion goes, I won't, I won't sting you. And he makes them. Is that it? And then all of a sudden he goes, and the scorpion, they get in the middle of the river. The scorpion stings them. And then the frog goes, I thought you said you weren't going to do it. He was like, I'm a scorpion. Well, the devil is a slimy rascal. And he's going to steal the word or try to. The question is, are we going to allow him to? A lot of times, even in the middle of a message, you know, you'll be trying to catch up with the notes, and and sometimes different people think different ways, and you've got to figure this out for you. Some people, it helps them to take notes, but then some people, it, it helps them if they just listen, and you just figure out which works for you, and you know what? What you've done all your life, it may change at some point, and you might not be able to do it the way you used to, and God wants you to just listen, or he wants you to just take notes. We've got to humble ourselves to the Lord and flow with the Holy Spirit and not let the devil steal the seed in any way. Don't let him do it. So here he is. He brings up these um, trivial things and gets them right off of it. When Jesus is giving them a promise of life. And then he says this. So Jesus said to them, he keeps on, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, You have no life in yourselves. Is this a life or death message? Jesus is preaching it. Is this good? Is it right? Do we fully understand it? Uh, Probably not. I would say there's probably some revelation in this that we still today don't have. But is it a right message? Then what should we do with it? We should humble ourselves to it and listen to it. So he goes on. My flesh, oh, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. It's like, I mean, dude, Jesus, what are you, a vampire or what? I mean, what's the deal here? This is weird talk. But instead of relaxing with the Son of God, some of them were on tilt. And missing a life-giving message. All right. A death and life message. As the Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? Who can listen to it? So what they did is they reached a point where their flesh and logic couldn't keep up with their spirit because they had trained their flesh and their logic to come between that. Or at least their habits allowed it. Flesh and logic was overriding life in the spirit. You see that? But Jesus... And, and they say this, it's a difficult statement. Who can listen to this? Well, and, and I get that. You know, sometimes I've heard things preached, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And, and the person, and a lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm not expecting you to swallow everything I say. Matter of fact, I don't want you to. I want you to take it, meditate on it, and let me do what my job is. My job is not to be God. My job is to point to God. Point to what's right. Point to what's true. And then you take it, you be like it says in Acts, be a good Berean that takes that word, goes back to the character and nature of God found in the word and find out, is this really God? And then if it is, you act on it, and if it's not. But you, in the meantime, you be in peace about it and let it sit and let the Holy Spirit start showing you what's true and what's right. It doesn't matter if it's a hard statement to your flesh or to your mind or not. Our job is to humble ourselves with the people that God's put in our lives and he- so that they can help us grow to the maturity of Christ. Amen? Then Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. And there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And... And he was saying, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So what happened is they were on this pathway with jesus and they hit a roadblock where the devil got in there and confused with logic and confused with their mind and their flesh and the people that should have been following christ dropped off well that happens to preachers and churches a whole lot but we shouldn't really feel bad about it because man if it happened to jesus (laughs) we're in good company you know what i mean but the thing is, which one was wrong? The people who dropped off are Jesus? The people who dropped off are missing something, aren't they? They're missing a life-giving way of life through Christ. Were they really disciplined to what God had called them to? No, they let, them, they let themselves get tripped up. There was a point that they came up to. Many of his disciples withdrew, and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now this is godly wisdom speaking here. This is wisdom going, look, even if I, this is what he's saying, even if I disagree with you, I recognize it's probably me. (laughs) This is humility, and this is where grace came in. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, is there a Holy One of God walking on the earth today? Is Jesus walking on the earth today? Well, he is through us, but is he physically present, you know, walking around like he did at this point? No. But where is this represented today? This is represented in Christians, it's represented in in theology that is correct, it's represented in churches and in preachers, and it's represented in your life, whether or not you are going to humble yourself or you're going to get tangled up in the details, whether or not you're going to say, that's too much for me, I can't take it, I'm moving away. I'm going to a different place, I'm going to do this a different way. It's too much. I don't get it. Or we can humble ourselves and say, you hear from the Lord, I believe God's, you know, God's put me here, and even if I preach something that you don't understand, you give it time, you seek the Lord, we communicate, we talk about that, and then we say, okay, let's work it out. Now, here's why I say that. Let me uh, put up this image here. This is what I would call a maturity line, okay? It's kind of a timeline from the point where we are born again. As soon as we start becoming born again, we start moving towards maturity, or at least we should. Now, the problem is that in this, there's a lot of times where Christians don't really mature. They don't really come up to the fullness that God has for them. I'm going to show you a part of the reason why. Now, here, here it is in the, next, in the next slide, what happens when they start to mature. Well, the Lord says that we are to crucify our flesh and take up our cross daily. So when we're born again, even after we've been born again for quite some time, how much stuff do you have right and how much stuff do you have wrong? And it really doesn't matter that you put an amount on it. What matters is that you know that you still got stuff. I know I still got stuff. Whether I actually know what those things are, I don't know everything there is to know about God, so that leaves a big gap between me and what is correct. In other words, because I have this corrupted flesh, I can be wrong. Now, if I don't know that, I'm not humbling myself to the Word, and guess what? I'm already setting myself up for a fall. All right? But here's what happens. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, once they get born again, he starts leading them to these different uh, crosses in their life. A lot of times, things or beliefs that were not of God, but the world has taught us. And some of those are bigger to us than other ones. But guarantee you, because God loves you, he says that he will correct who he loves. Right? So guarantee you, he's going to start coming to you. And then we have the choice to either say, yes, I'm going to do that, or no, I'm not going to do that. And generally, most Christians, they'll have a few things that they'll start to do. But a lot of times what happens is, they'll get that first little set down, and they feel like, I've arrived. And they go on for the rest of their life, not really going forward from that point, And now they're doing it under the false assumption that I've arrived and everything I do is godly. Now, they wouldn't tell you that, but their actions speak louder than words. And Christians have been guilty of this for years and years and years and years. And the world looks at that and goes, you can take your self-righteous bunch of junk and get away from me. Because of a lack of humility on our part, they don't want anything to do with a lot of Christianity and a lot of churches. And it's our job for not humbling ourselves to go on down the road like we're supposed to. Let's put up the next slide. So the next part of it is, these things continue, and guess what? Sometimes those crosses that you pick up and that piece of the flesh that you crucified they get bigger and bigger. Sometimes they're small to you, sometimes they're big. But what matters is not how big or how small they are. What matters is, are we obedient to put the flesh down? Here's the question. Are we actually all in, or do we want to do what we want to do? This is an all-in lifestyle or not based off of that choice. So here's what I've noticed through experience, and there's a couple of places in the Word. I just read one to you just there. This is what I've seen in the church. Most of the time when somebody continues on this path of maturity and they're going down this path, there comes a place somewhere in the middle of that. And it is what I would say the major hurdle. The major hurdle in our spiritual walk. And what happens at that hurdle is, if you can put up the next line, what happens at that hurdle is, there's a line. And your flesh rises up in a way almost like it has never done. A lot of times people get to that place. I can tell you when I started getting to that place, my flesh started, I mean, flipping out on me stronger than it had since I had been born again. A lot of times at that place, but yet the Spirit is pulling you and and yearning and longing for you to cross over this line into being all in. Now, on this side of the line, what we're experiencing is a foot in both of those worlds. And it is almost torture. The quicker that we step over and say, I'm all in, and everything that I do is for Christ, the better we are, the more that we are hot and not lukewarm. But here's the thing. You notice how those crosses kind of get bigger right as you get to that line? Well, why do you think those crosses, those pieces of the flesh, were left that this point. Most of the time it's because those are the last things we want to give up. Those are the things that our flesh is going, oh no, no, but I want this. I want to keep this. This is precious to me. So a lot of times what we've done is we've put off those things that we care about the most in the flesh till the end and then at some point the Holy Spirit starts asking you for what is really precious to you and that's where this line is and if you'll put up the next line this is not just, uh, not just everything uh, and everything's all done once you cross this line but this is the line where you start actually living for God and not for yourself Not when you get born again, but in your maturity, in your growth, you come to the place where finally your spiritual man has convinced your fleshly man, there's another step where I'm doing this not for me, but for God. Everything I do is for him. And I want to tell you something, and I hope this doesn't discourage you, and it shouldn't. Most of us have not crossed that line. Most of us. And how can you tell if you've crossed that line or not? Well, a lot of times it has to do with does stuff bother you? If stuff bothers you, then what you're doing is you're not actually humbling yourself to what is God up to, you're not trusting Him that He's always leading you to triumph. If you get mad at somebody or get upset with somebody, what is it that they're presenting to you? They're presenting something that you will not have a lack in your life. That's generally what people will get upset with. Because you, you know, a lot of times I'll put me in that, in that position. Pastor, you're just asking me for too much. This is my life. I want to do what I want to do. But when we cross that line, everything we do does isn't for me, it isn't for pastor, it's for God. In other words, we stop finding excuses for doing the things of God and we start getting them done. We stop standing in that place with a foot stuck between two worlds, the flesh and the spirit. We stop looking at our habits as being ours and saying this is God. We stop looking at our time as being ours and we say this is God's time. Now, here's the thing about these messages. What happens if you actually do step over that line? All of a sudden God can do in things in you that he has longed to do for all of eternity. Now, he can move forward without resistance from the flesh. This is, if you'll put up the next one, this is not just one big thing. A lot of times it's a combination of everything. It's this one decision. Everything I do is for God. And if it's not for God, I don't need to be doing it. Even when you sleep, that's for God. And I will tell you like this. Do you realize when I rest, I'm not resting for Brian, I'm resting for God. Because when I, And I've literally thought through this, gone through this process, and I realize that when I rest, I am getting in the place so that I can serve him by serving you. And if I don't rest, I'm missing it. Even when we rest, it's for God. Even when we play, it's for God. When I make decisions, everything we do and where we go, we're seeking. Do we always get it right? No, we don't always get it right. But we're always seeking, where is God in this? What does he want us to do? Instead, what most of the time we do is we say, Well, what do I want to do? Well, I want to go to this vacation, or I want to do this, or I want this house, or I want this boat. What's that got to do with what God wants? And we can say that, well, he told me about this. Well, who says that? If you weren't crossing this line and actually approaching it in that way, then that can get off real easy, and you have to watch that. Here's what I found in Boomerang. With the kind of preaching that we preach here, just I listed the series that we're in right now, here's what I found. People get to that line when they come here a lot quicker, it seems, than they get to it in other places. And a lot of times, they're not prepared for the reality of that decision. Now this is a new revelation to me because the Lord, I believe, showed it to me this week. And this will help us because we can help people to be prepared. But see, does that mean that we should stop preaching the realities of God and the life of God? Absolutely not. No way. What that shows us, do you remember in the reset series that at the beginning of time where it was perfect in the garden and if we played kind of the spiritual... Telephone game, you know, here's normal, but where we've gone, we've degraded, degraded, degraded. And what we think now is normal is so subpar, so below level. What we've gotten to in this world and in this society where this ought to be normal and people ought to come to this place where they're all in for God quickly, it's become so abnormal that most people never even get there. They don't even face that for real in church. So then when you have that set up as a society and you come to a place where you hear the reality of the life of God and the power of God and the love of God and you hit that moment because you hear that kind of preaching where all of a sudden it stops taking the excuse away. Well, God will do what he'll do. You start hearing the responsibility of me to love God back. To be a a brother of Christ. It starts putting the responsibility back on our shoulders. And before you know it, you're at this line making a choice. And if you don't recognize the place that you're at, you'll just think that, well, pastor's putting pressure on me. I'm not putting pressure on you. The Holy Spirit's convicting you and the devil's condemning you. But I'm just telling you the truth. And we've got to realize, why do we do what we do? Why are we upset at certain things? Why do things put pressure on us? And it all comes back to just how much of the flesh that we have kept for ourselves. Because the more flesh we keep for ourselves, the heavier those issues are. Now, I'm not saying that when you cross that line, it's a magical thing where everything just works out. Matter of fact, you kind of get a bigger target on your back, I would say. But that's okay because we have a bigger Jesus. Yeah. Amen. But it is easier than living with one foot here and one foot there. And this is a reality. This is not something that, you know, I just came up with and I thought it'd sound good. And No, this is a reality. I see this all the time. What I didn't realize was how quickly people at Boomerang come to that place. I know for me, it took me, uh, as an adult, it took me about 10 years to come to that place. And I believed from the beginning that I was trying to go all out for God. I believed in the beginning that I was all in with God. I wasn't. A few years later, I believed that I was all in for God. I wasn't. A few years later, I thought, absolutely. I'd have told you, yes, I'm all in for God. I wasn't. And then I hit the moment. And I was challenged. And it was basically this. If you trust God in this moment, you are likely to lose everything that you have. And either God's true... Or he's a liar. Which one are you going to choose? And everything. And then the Lord asked me a question and said. Are you going to do what I've asked you to do. Even if there was no reward. In other words there's no promise of triumph. There's no promise of health. There's no promise of any of the Lord's salvation. Would you still serve me? And all of a sudden I'm at that big cross. I'm at that line. And we have to decide, why do we do the things that we do? What's the reason? So, what I found is people hit this line in this place sooner. And a lot of times, they're unprepared because they haven't had any teaching in how to humble themselves and be strong in the Lord. And here's the other deception that's really interesting about this is they will take these crosses and they will say, would you look at everything that I've already given up for God? Obviously, I'm all in for God or else I would not have given those things. And that's the trap. They don't realize that they're not, they haven't arrived. They don't realize that there's, there's, there's still more to grow in. Matter of fact, if you put the next slide up, that's, that's not the end of your crosses that you have to give up. It's not the end of your flesh. But after that point, it's more like revelation, and it's more like the little things, that, that uh, the small things that make a big difference. And the Lord shows you how to tweak and become more powerful. It's not the end of you putting down your flesh just when you go all in for God. But it is the beginning of stopping the resistance against the growth and going all in with God and flowing with Him. Now which one would you rather have? To have resistance towards Him? Not just for your own life, but for the kingdom of God. See, that's just it. A lot of times what we're doing stuff for is so that we will be blessed. If I go to church, maybe the devil won't attack me this week. That's not all in. All in is, I'm going here because I love you and I want your kingdom to advance whether I get blessed this week or not. That's all in. That's passion. For the right reasons. So there's, what's going to happen is everybody has different things. They have their own little things. The best way I can tell you to identify them is... Uh, the conflicts that you have in your brain or the anger that you will have over certain situations when somebody says something, those generally will give you an idea about where the cross is, where the flesh is at, and they will show you, am I believing this for me or am I doing this for Jesus? And they'll show you, have I crossed that line or not? And I can tell you, and you may or may not believe me, but if you'll you'll humble yourself, this will help you. The majority of you are not over that line yet. Not just people here listening. The majority of society has not even approached that line, much less crossed it. I believe that many of you are at that line. And now what happens at that line? Because at that line, you think just because you reach there and reach the decision, the devil's going to give up on you and be like, well, they're there. They're going to cross it now. Oh, no. (laughs) He will do everything he can to get you to stop from crossing that. Is there any more slides or is that it? Okay, just leave that up for a second. This is what an all-in, sold-out life sounds like. He and his kingdom is why I do everything that I do. Here's the problem. Most people, I've found, reserve that kind of speech and that kind of life for ministers. For pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But they're forgetting that their main job is an ambassador of God. So everybody that is a Christian has a responsibility to mature. And everybody that is a Christian has a responsibility to be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. Don't be here better than most everybody else, but you still haven't crossed the line. That's lukewarm. Don't be here, but not maturing. Don't be past the line, but not grow anymore. Our job on this earth is to always continue to grow. It never stops. And guess what? As long as you're on this earth, best I can figure, you're going to miss it in some stuff, and you don't know everything, and you're going to definitely have a flesh that's going to fight you tooth and nail. But when you cross that line... And you put the—it's really putting the flesh in, the, in its place. It does get easier on that. But when you come right up to that line and the, and the flesh, what does a boxer do when he knows he's beat and he's got one round to win it all? He comes out swinging. Well, that's what the flesh does when it realizes, "I'm at this decision," and the flesh goes. Crazy. And and not only that, but a lot of things right at that line are the things that were the most precious to you, so it's the biggest hurdle for you to jump. And eventually, somewhere in the midst of that, here's what your flesh says. I just want to do this. Can't I just do this? Can't I just have this? Doesn't God also want me to be happy? Doesn't he want me to enjoy things? He does. He does. He does, but out of obedience right. and love, right. not I won't. Right. The heart with which we have those things has everything to do with are we all in or not. In Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler comes up and he hits this line he comes around Jesus. You look at what he says, I've held all of these commandments all of my life. I mean, he has put some stuff down. He has put down the flesh. And God points out to his big cross to that last hurdle and goes, you have one thing that you need. And he walked away from Jesus. Walked away. How many people, how many people were invited personally to follow Jesus and be his disciple? That's what that rich young ruler had. And because he had a foot in both places and cared more for the things of the flesh, he didn't cross that line. He didn't go all in with God. And what did he miss? And I pray that he came back around at some point and he went all in for God. I hope that he realized his mistake, but that takes humility. That takes being willing to be wrong. You know, if he thought that he was right, Then he, if he thought that he was wrong, then he probably would have stayed and done what Jesus said. But you got to know that he walked away from that saying. That preacher is crazy. He told me to do all this stuff. He's lost his mind. And everybody in the world moving by their flesh said, "You're right. He is crazy. I can't believe he asked you to do that." And which one was wrong? It wasn't Jesus. But I guarantee you that that rich young ruler and his friends probably thought. They're crazy. Why? Because they were looking at it from a logic on this side of all in. The wrong side of all in. Not the right side. And that does everything. It changes our perspective. It changes how we look at things. Because why are you doing the things that you do? It's not that I or Jesus or uh, don't want you to enjoy things. We both want your joy to be complete, but that does not happen in disobedience. It happens in obedience. In other words, if this is something that I really like, here's the thing. If if the Lord asked me to give it up, and I'd say, but Lord, I really know that you want me to have this thing. Well, if he asks me to give it up and I hold on to it, I'm in disobedience. And maybe I'm having the joy of the thing, but it won't last for long because what I've done is I've opened up for the devil to come in and steal it because i still got one foot in both. But a lot of times what he'll do is he'll say, Will you give me this? And when I actually give it to whatever he says and I let it go, then he'll bring me something better. Maybe it'll be right then. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be ten years down the road. But he'll bring back. But now I can have the thing and I'm not in disobedience. I'm in obedience. And my joy will be full and not just temporary. Amen. Matthew seven thirteen says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few that find it. But where are false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves? You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Now, if you'll put that across in the line, Back up there, I want you to see something. You can have somebody that has not crossed that line yet, but they have put down multiple crosses before they get there. So, did they have some good fruit in their lives? They did. So what he's talking about here is not that they've done one or two or twenty things right. He's talking about, are they living full out, all in for Christ? Is that their motivation for living? Is that their motivation for all things or not? That's the good fruit that he's talking about. There's a bunch of people that aren't even going to heaven that have done good things. He's talking about, are you doing them for the right reasons? Are you serving at church or coming to church because you love God? are you coming to church because you need something? And you know what? God wants to meet you at your need. And a lot of times he'll use that to get you to the place where you will go all in and praise God for his mercy and his grace in that. But at some point along that line, we've got to say, I'm not here for me. I am here for him. Because he's worthy of my praise. I'm living every way that I do. I'm serving because I love him. It goes on and it says this. And now listen to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. In other words, there's going to be a bunch of people that think they're born again that think they made Jesus their Lord, but they never lived for Him. Their purpose was them, not Him. And they're going to be going, Lord, Lord! Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, now look at this, did we not prophesy in your name? Is that a good fruit? So see how he's showing you good fruit? But yet he's he's saying that they can have instances of this, but that doesn't mean that their life has made him Lord and Savior and the Director. That doesn't mean that. Just because they call out, just because they go to church, just because they got baptized, just because they said a prayer one time, doesn't mean that they've handed over their life completely and they live for him, not just by him. Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? These are some pretty powerful things that they're moving in, some pretty strong fruit, but it doesn't mean that they know him. It doesn't mean that they're right. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. They can even have crosses in their life that they've given you know, given to him For him, but they never really made him the director. They really never made him Lord. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great... What is its fall? Which was the one that stood? Which was the one that was protected? The one who heard the things of God and did them for those reasons. For his reasons see a lot of people they want to uh, uh, get away from the storms and get away from the stuff and yet they haven't made the decision to go all in with God and they're wondering why does this stuff just keep happening and it's not that the devil stops trying to attack you during that period of time the difference is when I go all in all of a sudden I've got some more backing that I didn't have before I've got the truth of the word that will stand up against that and will stand strong my foundation is not based off of me, it's based off of Jesus. You know, it's very interesting in that first section where I said his flesh and his blood, right? And he says, those who eat my flesh, are those." what he's saying is those who put down my flesh will have life. Do you realize that what he was doing was he was saying, and even in the garden, I don't want to go do this. But I'm not doing this for my reasons. I'm doing it for yours father and so what he was saying is this we've got to see open our eyes to see the crosses we've got to see open our eyes to see the flesh and we've got to say i want life i need life and you deserve this decision out of me and you deserve not only for me to do it but to do it in a good attitude you know, hey let, let me well all right, Lord, I'm gonna go do what you want me to do. I'm tired of doing this, and this just stinks. I'm so tired of doing this. That ain't crossing the line. <laughs> that's 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 not crossing the line. If if pastors got to go behind you all the time and be like, I, um, you could like be happy when you do that work for the Lord and, and beef up your attitude always about it. You had not put down the flesh. You haven't crossed that line. You're still living with it. And that's okay to recognize it. It's not okay to stay there. It's great to recognize it. It's not okay to stay there. What Jesus did himself was to say, I recognize my flesh does not want to do this. I'm not moving because of it. I'm moving because of the leading of God. Last verse here in Philippians 2, verse 5. Watch this. Have this attitude. He's telling us, you, you, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And then he said, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Let me just try to give you an idea of what that's saying. You know, One of the strongest, most powerful people in the world is always the President of the United States. So let's say that there was a President of the United States. He's in office, and all of a sudden... God, ask him, I want you to step out of your office and I want you to completely start over with nothing. See, most of us would go, do you know who I am? And what I, And then we'd start to logic with God. Do you know what I could do for you in this position? Do you know what I could do here? But he tells us to have this attitude Because he wasn't just the President of the United States. He was God himself. And our attitude is to match his that says he didn't see equality with God, something to hold on to, but to empty himself to go all in for human beings who needed a Savior because the heart of God asked him to do it. He said, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. It wasn't enough that God asked him just to come to the earth and not be God anymore, basically. It wasn't enough that he asked that. No, now he wants me to go to the cross. Now he wants me to die and go through this pain. Haven't I done enough, Lord? Lord? Haven't I done enough just by being here? Just translate me now and take me back to heaven. I'm tired of these people. They don't listen. They leave me when I talk about things that are life and death. I'm tired of this men. Haven't I done enough? Now see, you, you don't think that Jesus was thinking that, but he had to have a flesh. And you know, I can tell you, his flesh was saying those things. The thing was, Jesus didn't give them any power or authority in his life. And he would not speak that kind of garbage out. And he wouldn't dwell on it. But his flesh, I guarantee you it said it. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him. You know, a lot of us want on the judgment day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to be exalted by God, but do we realize what it takes for that? Do you realize that what we need to do is get very real with ourselves and say, there's a line and I need to cross it. I can't continue to live in the place where I've got one foot in both worlds. I've got to cross this line and go all in for God. And that's how we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, so then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. With reverence, an extreme reverence. What is he telling us to do here? He's telling you, don't just say I'm saved. He's saying, examine your fruit. And don't just look back at those little crosses that I asked you to give up when you just got born again. Examine: are you all in and doing and living life for me? Or are you living it for you? Because even the smallest piece of you is bad fruit. The smallest piece of your flesh, it's bad fruit. And this is a decision that every single one of us needs to come to because without it, the devil just rips and pulls us. You ever seen kids playing and and they're trying to pull them on both one side? I mean, it gets rough for that kid in the middle because they're pulling so hard. Well, the devil's much more rough than that. And you know what? Our lives have felt that, haven't they? But when we decide to cross that line, it's not that the devil doesn't still try to do it. It's that at that moment when we go all in, we are backed by something that's greater than us. That humility will produce a grace in us that's greater. But we can't go into that situation and just go, oh yeah, I'm saved. Oh yeah, I'm on fire. Oh yeah, I'm all in. We can't just go in there and say that. We need to spend time examining ourselves and saying, am I really Am I really? And if you're honestly going to to do that, then the place where you need to start at is, I'm probably not. Because without going at it from that angle, you could be biased and miss it. If you're not going at it from the angle of humility that says, you know what, I'm probably not there. Then you got a part of you that says, I am there. And that little part can lead you astray to the point where you remain for the rest of your life lukewarm. He tells us, work out our salvation. Work out the Lordship of Christ in our hearts. Is He really your Lord? Are you really all in with Him? Work that out. And you can find it out based off of how do you respond, how do you react, who do you live for. For it is God who is at work in you. Listen to this, let me inspire you with this. It is God who is working you to get to that point. It is God moving you to the place where you will say, I'm all in. It's God moving you. Now, what's the flesh and the devil going to say? The flesh and the devil's going to look back and, and he's going to go, it's church, it's God, it's the pastor putting all this pressure on you. Of course the flesh is going to say that. Of course the devil is going to say that. It's the, it's the church, it's God's work, it's Pastor Brian, he's just too hard, he's pushing me too much. No, truth is, I'm probably not pushing you enough. Because this society is so far from the norm. The question is, are we going to be the kind of people that pushes our own selves for the sake of Christ to say, I'll be everything that God's called me to be. I'm living for Him and Him only. For it's God who is at work in you. Both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling. I think that bears repeating. Do all things without grumbling. Mm-hmm. Like right now. It's 12:45. Some people are anxious and nervous and ready to get out of here. Again, why are you here? To get revelation, to get the words of life, or to check off, I went to church this week. See, right now, that's the flesh. And what, who's the flesh pointing at? Well, that preacher will not shut up. <laughs> it's exactly what I'm talking about right now. God, he's preaching long today. And we're to do this without grumbling. So even if you're grumbling on the inside, that doesn't mean it's right. (laughs) right. Or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. So that you will prove yourselves, prove yourselves, work out your salvation, prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. You see, when we're living for ourselves, we don't light up. And you remember when we did the Be the Light series? What was the one thing we came to right away? Who in the world is coming to the church for answers? And what that proves is we have not been the light. And then looking at this verse, what does that tell us? The church has not been anywhere close to all in. We've been making excuses, and we've been taught that what's normal is, is okay, but it's so far from what's actually normal with God. We haven't even been close. I believe what God's looking for is some people that will say, you know, I don't care if anybody else in this room doesn't think that what I'm doing and being diligent and zealous for God is right, I'm still going to go all in with Him. I believe God's looking for the kind of people that's not going to let other people's opinion persuade them to do otherwise. That they're going to start living for God no matter what what somebody thinks or who thinks. And especially what their flesh thinks. Because the flesh it's going to... Think of the flesh as a spoiled, rotten little kid that wants his way. Throwing a temper tantrum. Because that's what it is. And that spoiled, rotten kid, it points at everything but himself. And that's what the flesh does. Why? Because it doesn't want to be found out. And it doesn't want to give up. And when you come up to that line... And that choice is in front of you. It throws the biggest fit and it starts pointing the finger at everybody but you. And that's where we got to say, I'm going to be that person that Christ was looking for, that the Holy Spirit was leading, that no matter what my flesh says, I'm going to be all in with Christ. We need to be the lights of the world, but it doesn't come from us making excuses. It comes from us being all in, so let's just stand right now <laughs> and we <laughs> and right now, I'd just like to speak to the flesh. There you go. <laughs> We're done. I know you're happy. <laughs> there it is. You've got some decisions to make. They're not my decisions to make for you. For each person that's individual. It's What does the Lord want us to do? Lord, how can I go all in? The first thing you can start doing is, He doesn't call you a servant and a slave. He calls you friend. That means He's going to share things with you. So what is He going to do? He's going to share things with you. He's not going to leave you helpless. He's not going to leave you without wisdom. He's going to show you the first thing that you can do is say, Lord, I recognize that I am probably not all in. Probably not. The odds are definitely stacked against the fact that you're all in. So you can say, Lord, I recognize that I'm probably not. And just on the chance that I'm not all in, I'm going to open this up for discussion with you and I ask you to show me areas where I'm not all in. Show me the crosses that I need to pick up and carry. Show me the flesh that I need to crucify. Show me how I'm not living for you because Lord, I long to live for you. I long to be a light that doesn't just burn dimly But burns bright in the things of God. I know, I know that this is a challenging message to your flesh. I know your spirit's going, Praise God, if you're actually born again. The question is, you just heard a message that may or may not make sense to you, but I can promise you it's got life or death in it. The question is, are you going to walk away? From the truth. Are you going to make a decision. To humble yourself and say. I'm going all in. And you know what. Sometimes it's a process. And it takes some time. I can tell you when I went through that. It probably took me a year or two. Just to make that final step over that. And it's okay. You know why. Because the Lord is with you. And he'll be with you. But for you not to go. And not to step over and trust Christ to be the help that you need to make that step. If you don't trust him, that's disobedience. And that's not humility. That's pride. So this message is a very real, in your flesh's face. What you going to do? What you going to do? And you know what? What? You'll probably need to remember this and take strength that God's going to be with you in it. Not just today, but He's there with you every day as you face those issues and face those moments. He's with you and He will strengthen you. If you set your mind to make the jump and cross the line and go all in, The power of God is there to strengthen you with all might to make that happen. Matter of fact, that's what you were designed for, is to be in that place. Because that's the place where we become the brothers and sisters of Christ that Jesus sowed himself so that he would reap a harvest of. Without us going all in, without us being hot, We're not who God called us to be. So as a Christian who truly loves Christ, we should not even see it as an option that we have a choice. We should say there's a choice there, but there's not really a choice to make if I really do love Christ. Are you all in? And now what's going to happen? What does the devil do with this message? I can tell you already, he's already been trying to steal the seed of the word while I've been preaching. And he will continue. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to let him get you involved in the details and the trivialities and the pastor, I just don't agree with you junk? Or whether, whether I was right or not, just that attitude is, is the thing. I just don't, I don't know about that pastor. I would have been okay if you finished at 1230, but now it's 1255. And I'm just not sure. You know what? (laughs) That's actually, I've heard stuff like that before. The devil's going to challenge you. He's going to try and steal it because he does not want you crossing that line. Let me strengthen you with this. Through Christ, you can do all things. Through Christ, you will do all things. Through Christ, you will be the light. Through Christ, you can be who he's called you to be and complete and fulfill the destiny that he had planned for you at the foundation of the world. Through Christ, you can do it. And you will find that it is the best place that you could ever be And once you cross that line, you'll look back and be so thankful. And you'll look back and go, oh my goodness, I did not realize how miserable I was. But I have the freedom of Christ living now. This is awesome. Lord, I just ask right now that you would bless everyone to see the truth, to make the decisions, and go all in with you in every way, In everything, Lord, we just ask for your mercy and your grace. Lord, you know what? Thank you for presenting us with the opportunity to go all in with you. You didn't have to present us with that. What an opportunity to go all in with the creator of the universe. Lord, we see that. We thank you for it. We magnify you. And from this point forward, let our lives be designed to give you the glory of heaven by our lives here on this earth through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for opportunity to serve you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great day. I love you.